world's on fire, our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. And you know why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. Hey, pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass but we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. i got to ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a Coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. i got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Remember that from Smoking the Bandit? That's up at the airport. I hope you are, Randy. Don't pick me up at the airport, so I'll be advertising all the way all the way out there. Thank God for Steve Deck, who's come in and doing some more work at Sky High. Uh, if he were to ever send me a bill for what he's done at Sky High, I couldn't pay it. I could never pay it. He drove out here again yesterday, eight hours, and he's just doing stuff that, you know, that I need a, I need a construction guy to do it. Little things like connecting electricity and how many ampage and how many voltage and how, and, and he just comes in, he just comes and does it. And uh, so he's he's here guarding the house right now with my wife. And uh, oh, I got I got a lot, I got a lot, lot on my heart, a lot on my mind today. I want to give it to you. Cause I got to talk fast, okay? Got to talk fast. Myra, pray us in real quickly, so and then get out of the way. Pray, pray us in, get out of the way. Yes, Coach. Good morning, Harold. Uh, today's uh, Bible verse is going to be Jeremiah eighteen four through seven. We got it, it up is, on the screen. <clears throat> it is written, and um, it's interesting that the Holy Spirit led me to talk about Cray, and today yeah, Cray will be leading. Clay, listen, my, my uh, that Clay over at Sky High, it's good because Clay's good for a, uh, a pond. I'm telling you, folks, there's still water laying over there in the clay. And so when the Lord said to Clay, God, we got to do a study on that. Why he formed man out of clay, which is basically what, what he's done, right? Clay. Wow, go ahead, Myra. Yes, coach. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. There was. So he made it again another vessel. Wow, I never I've never seen this. He screwed it up first time, made it again. I seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel. Can cannot I do with you as this potter? He said, "Can I do this too? Can I can I do what you just did?" Saith the Lord, "Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, wow. so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel." The house of Israel, Christians. I'm sorry, it's not replacement theology. The reality of it is. I am, you are a child of God, whether or not you have a Jewish bloodline or not, all right? 
Got that? Ooh. I said Israel because the United States wasn't here. The gospel hadn't been taken to the world. So God's trying to explain to everybody, Israel, my people, Israel, my people. Myra, where are you from? Guatemala. Are you, you, you are now the house of Israel, Myra, aren't you? You're from Guatemala yes. and now to the house of Israel, right? This is not replacement theology. This is adoption, okay? This is adoption. We're not in Israel anymore. We are Israel. Oh, well, go ahead. I'm just making some of you mad because you believe uh, Pastor Tony Toes for 40 years. Go ahead. Yes, coach. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to prog up and to pull down and to destroy it? Oh, boy. Hmm. Holy Spirit, you're welcome to Coach Dave Haddle, and we open our hearts to you. I unleash resurrection power, love, joy, and grace on you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Myra. Uh, you know the, Do you know people hate me? You know that? By the, wait, by the way, they hate you too. You just don't know it yet. They hate you. Devil hates you. And everybody who, as we read yesterday, are not practicing, two days ago maybe it was, huh? the, the gospel of Christ. The Bible says stay away from those folks. And I'm more committed today to speaking truth to power, no matter what it costs me, no matter how. Because you know something? There are people right now, even in this huddle, who are laying in the weeds, waiting for me to say the wrong thing. Somebody say amen, will you? Somebody say amen. Huh? Amen. 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 Can't wait. They can't wait for me to say the wrong thing that doesn't line up with their theology so they can say, see, I told you. I told you that. I told you that. I told you about that guy. You better not. You better stay away. You know, I'm telling you the truth. I give you a big smile. You know, I'm telling you the truth. And uh, I uh, I hit 70 years old. I got a phone call last night. That, uh, just for, I Literally woke me up. My wife had verified through this. And I'm not going to go into depth with it. But a guy who played football for me. In 1990, can anybody do math? Makes him 50. Makes him 50 years old. He did a FaceTime call to me. At, I don't know. I was, I was on the phone till after 11 last night with him, and I saw again last night after the call. It was a great call. Nothing, just a great call. And uh, he encouraged me, thanked me for everything I've done. I get very few of those calls, by the way. I know. I know the seeds that I've planted in my life, and I know they're blooming and growing. I know. I know it. But see, I don't go around and pat myself on the back because why? Because I'm just doing my freaking job. <laughs> I'm just doing my job. See, that's what we're supposed to do, right? When the Lord gives you an anointing, it's not for you. It's for the edifying of the saints. It's for the building up of the church. And I'm, I don't come here and I don't puff myself up and I don't say, look at my anointing. But you guys can't deny it. You can't deny it. And so he calls me last night. And we had this conversation. It was really, 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 really good. And it made me stop and think that, my goodness. I said to Michelle, she's laying there half asleep, the pillow talk. I said, 1990? How long ago was that? Can you guys do math really good? 1990? 32. 30, 32 years. And he called to thank me for the seeds I planted 32 years ago at London High School, just before all that hell broke loose down at London High School. So I want to ask you this. What seeds have you planted? that are about to, about to sprout, you know, you know, because I can promise you there's some getting ready to, some getting ready to. And don't ever forget this. Our job is to plant and water. That's, we're not responsible for the crop. We plant, we water. 
One man plants, another man waters, and God figures out what he's going to do with that thing. And here's this guy 30 years later, the seeds that I've planted. He went into detail. His grandma was very, very Christian. His mom was a Christian. Dad wasn't a Christian. He wasn't raised in a Christian home. He said, Coach, I was just, I was just compelled to call you. I can't, get, I can't get away with it. I can't get away from it, Coach. Grown man, successful businessman. Fired me up. I didn't sleep, didn't get a lot of sleep, but fired me up for sure. And so I, uh, here's what I want to start today. Uh, are you looking at me? I just want you to know this. And I have no ulterior motives. I have no ulterior motives. I love the Lord with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind. See, that's, even that's a lie. Because we're really, I don't, all is a pretty big word, isn't it? Huh? All is a pretty big word. And to be a real Christian requires a lot of sacrifice. A lot of sacrifice. We don't think, we don't look at it that way. We think about all the sacrifice he made for us. But to be a real Christian, to walk a really true Christian walk, man, you conflicted every day. Convicted and conflicted every daggone day. Every day. Can I tell you a story? I don't, I don't call this. I'm not telling you this story. To, I've had an unbelievable 24 hours. I know there's a God. I know, I know it. I know it so deeply. I was driving into town yesterday, going in to get the mail, and I'm driving down down Main Street in Hebron. You guys don't even know where Hebron. Doesn't matter. I'm driving down Main Street in Hebron, <clears throat> and there's a young lady standing there. She's holding a, holding one child, got a hand on another little child. Maybe maybe one, maybe I don't know, six months. Another one, maybe a year and a half. I mean, I don't know. I'm guessing. And I, for a minute, I thought it was my daughter Maggie. I slowed down. I thought, what's Maggie doing there? And I slowed down looking at one Maggie, just a young girl like Maggie. And I realized she was standing there waiting on the bus. So she must have another kid. I said, what? Oh, and I heard the Holy Spirit so loudly. And I heard the Holy Spirit, and I tried to ignore him. <laughs> you ever do that? <laughs> do you ever get that? You ever hear the Holy Spirit say, nah, that wasn't him. <laughs> that went, shut up, shut up, shut up. I don't want to do that. Shut up, shut up, shut up. <clears throat> well, I heard the Holy Spirit. I heard it. I heard him. And I went down and I did a Yui. <clears throat> I came back and as I did the Yui, pulled back it, pulled back onto the road. Here comes the school bus. And the school bus stops. The lights blink. And I'm standing, I'm in the line behind the cars. And the bus opens its door and this another little kid gets out. Maybe, maybe five years old. Maybe five. I, I don't know. The bus goes away and the traffic goes and that young girl who reminded me of my daughter walked across the street and started down the, the road. And I pulled my car right up alongside her. I want to let you hear the story and don't think I'm talking about me. I'm talking about obedience to hearing his voice. And so I pulled up along this little, beside this little girl, this young lady. And I said, Pardon me, she's probably scared to death. Who the hell is this guy? <laughs> she, I said, pardon me, hon. I said, uh, are you a stay-at-home mom? She had that look on her face that most stay-at-home moms have that haven't had any sleep in seven days. You don't know what I'm talking about, little kids. She's carrying one. I mean, and she says, uh, yes, sir, I am. And I'd pre-prepared as I made the turn sitting behind the school bus. I. I, I had a, I always carry a hundred dollar bill in my wallet. And so I pulled that hundred dollar bill out of my wallet. And I said, uh, I said, are you, are you a stay at home mom? 
She said, yes, sir, I am. And I reached out the window and I said, here, I want you, I want to help you have a good Christmas for your children. And she reached out and she took it and she looked at it and she said, oh, I, I can't take that. I can't take that. So what do you mean you can't take it? All you got to do is squeeze your fingers. She says, no, no, I can't take that, sir. I can't take that. I said, yes, you are. You squeeze that. And I'm telling you, tears rushed out of her eyes. Amen. I thought about how many opportunities we miss. I didn't didn't tell her Jesus loved her. I didn't tell her she'd gone to hell. I didn't, didn't tell her anything. I had my cross hat on. Didn't tell her my name. Didn't give her my card. Didn't invite her to my church. Just be, just obey. Now, I don't know what she's going to do with that hundred dollars, but I can tell you this. She had a brighter afternoon because I did it. Amen. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. See, we don't always understand what it means to share the gospel, do we? You understand I'm not bragging about me. I'm encouraging some of you. Huh? You got the hundred dollars in your wallet? You got your eyes open to see what's going on? See, here's this young girl doing everything she can to stay home with her kids. Think money's not tight in their family. So I got I gotta I gotta read what I wrote today because I've been I've been getting huh, I've been getting drug over over the coals on this. Remember, I gotta go here in about 15 minutes. So bear with me and then you guys can have at it have it at it later on. Pull up my pull up, pull up my word weekly word. Because I'm adamant, I'm adamant about this. <clears throat> not oh we got I'll come back to that. <clears throat> Here's a question I asked today. Are the rocks crying out? Are the rocks crying out? And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. Master, shut Coach Dave up, will you? He doesn't walk like us. He doesn't talk like us. He's not loving like us. Will you shut him up? And Jesus answered and he said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, if Coach Dave would have shut his mouth, the very stones would immediately cry out. Oh, I got them trying to, (laughs) oh, they're trying to shut me up. I'm not bragging about me. I'm painting a picture. This one's going to tick some folks off, I said. That's all right. My job is to deliver the mail. Your reaction is not my concern. I call him like I see him. That's all I can do. It's my experience that God never does anything the way we expect him to. In fact, he warned us that his thoughts are not his, our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. He told us that. To par- paraphrase Frank Sinatra, God is going to do it his way. You with me? Huh? Thumbs up. Get it? He's going to do it. I, I don't listen. You can't figure him out. I hope you're sitting down. I thank, I thank God today for Kanye West and Elon Musk. You guys hearing me out there? Huh? You guys are hearing me out there? I thank God today for Kanye West and Elon Musk. Amen. Huh? They seem to be a mixed bag. Elon Musk, as far as I know, has never claimed to be a believer. On the contrary, he may be serving the dark side. I don't know. So this isn't a pat on the back. Uh, 
Elon Musk is the greatest thing to ever come down the pike. Which, by the way, see, as soon as you say stuff like this, it's out of the norm and people want to attack, right? Say with me. Ye is a self-proclaimed Christian. But by the way, he isn't good enough Christian for most of us, is he? Somebody say amen. He still swears, right? Huh? Oh, yeah. Ye can't be a Christian. No, I'm a Christian. I don't ever say anything mean about anybody. I love everybody. I'm a Christian, but I'm not him. Somebody say amen. Amen. Yeah, he's, amen. A, self-proclaimed, he's a self-proclaimed Christian. Believe him or not, he claims Christ as Savior publicly, often. Admittedly, the way Ye practices his faith does not fit the mold of the average evangelifish. But it's very dangerous for any of us to judge another man's heart. Let me ask you a question. What did your Christianity look like when you first got saved? Or are you even saved today? Well, who am I to judge? Were you judging Kanye? The Bible's full of examples where God used fallible men. And I look in the mirror every day. That's me. Heck, people tell me all the time that my version of Christianity is too harsh or not loving enough or judgmental or divisive. So I can relate to Kanye and Elon. America already has enough cookie-cutter Christians. Somebody say amen. Put us in a mold, fold us clay, form the clay, put it in a little thing, stamp it and bake it, and there you are. There's what a Christian looks like. Amen, Coach. As my buddy Joe likes to say, not you, Joe, who the funk it? America's in dire need of some boat rock. I'm sorry. Ye and Elon are rocking the world. Both are shaky kingdoms. Kingdom shaking is God's business. Like it or not, they are doing God's business. A good place for an amen. Huh? Say with me. Amen. amen. Corruption is deeper in America than any of us could have realized. The pus is oozing out of every crevice in all of America's foundations. God promised us that there was nothing hidden that would not be revealed. God keeps his promises. Things are changing gradually, rapidly. Perhaps we Christians would have felt a little more comfortable if one of God's men had risen to the challenge and launched an all-out assault on the workers of iniquity. What if God had to turn his eyes into a different direction because those men who had earned the respect of fellow Christians were not up to the task of fighting in this war? Fighting's dirty, dirty business. Most Christian men are too sissified to actually engage in the fight. Being a Christian is not a spectator sport. You don't have to say amen, I'm saying it for you. Joel Osteen, John MacArthur, T.D. Jakes, Rick Warren, Frank Graham, Benny. Name your favorite pastor. None of them have lifted a finger to fight, uh, to do what the uh, scriptures commanded, which is what? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Reprove, expose it, talk about it, and actively fight it. What if one of these national Christian leaders had led the charge to restore righteousness in this nation? Instead, when their voice is most needed, they hit the mute button. Blind guides, Jesus called them, wearing masks, complying, closing up shop. Oh, this is good. I'm immediately reminded of what Jesus said concerning John the Baptist, who, by the way, wasn't very popular in his day either. 
And Jesus said, as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John the Baptist. Hey, what did you guys go out in the wilderness to see? Did you go out and see some chicken, some scaredy cat shaking a reed, shaken by the wind? Is that what you went out to see? Oh, no. But what went, what went ye out to see? A man clothed in soft clothing? He said, behold, those that wear not soft, dainty clothes, they're in church. They're in the king's house. And then Jesus said of those, Jesus said that of all those born unto a woman, none was greater than this wild and crazy locust eating John the Baptist. You staying with me? Evidently, Jesus loved edgy men. We'll ponder right there a minute. Amen. Jesus Jesus was edgy. America's churches are full of soft men sitting in king's houses. You don't have to say amen. I'm saying it for you. They're afraid to bark. Most harsh men want nothing to do with feminized Christianity. They want to keep their gonads. Amen. I'm interested in being trans-Christian. Yay and Musk have gonads. That's why the soft men sitting in king's Houses are turned off by them. Never send a woman to do a man's job. God has always needed harsh men. Say what you will. Neither of these guys is cowardly. They say the harsh things, the hard things. They have stones. Save your emails. Don't give me this anti-Semitism crap. Because that's all smokescreen. America's corrupt. And Elon and Ye are pointing it out. But wait a minute. Oh, no. They're they're touching the people you're not allowed to touch, by the way. We'll get into that later. I won't have time today. Perhaps if our pulpits weren't filled with such womanly men, God wouldn't have had to use such unclean men as Ye and Elon. I wonder, are they a match made in heaven? I know, I know. It'd be so much easier to root for them if they were more, what's the word, uh, pious? That's it, Coach, right there. See, we've tried pious. Maybe God has a better plan. You better watch what you speak against. What if they are handpicked by God? What if just, What if we just can't see it? There's nothing hidden that will not be revealed. Rather than criticizing them, perhaps we should pray for them. God's doing something, folks. The Luciferians are being exposed. Are the rocks crying out? Boom. Mm. Boom. Boom. See, I'm not sitting here judging whether Kanye is a Christian or not. And I think I think uh, Elon Musk is probably about as wicked as they come. But you have to ask yourself, can God use wicked men to advance his kingdom? Especially when timid, cowardly, pious men won't. I'm going to show you one more thing I'm going to have to run. Happy birthday, Kevin. Happy, happy birthday, 50th birthday to Kevin today. Thank you, you, Kevin. Now, uh, end of white people. Pull that up. 
I'm going to play this and I got to run. This is a Rutgers professor. Folks, if they were saying this about any other people, if they were saying this, if I'm going to play this. If this lady was saying this about the Jews, or if she was saying about blacks, if she was saying it about women, if she's saying it about Hispanics, no, 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 no. She's saying it about white Christian men. And I've been telling you and telling you and telling you they are coming after white Christian men. Go ahead and play it quickly. Got some I bad think that white people it. are committed to being villains in the aggregate, right? The real sort of issue here, and I, you know, I've heard people sort of say it, is one, I think that white people viscerally fear. It's not that white people don't know, right? What hey, hang on, hang on, hang they on, know. hang on, hang on, hang on. Every time she says white people, I want you to, I want you to substitute Jew. I want you to substitute whatever, whatever other ethnic group you can think of. She would never, ever, ever say this about any other ethnic group. But boy, you can say it about Whitey. Go ahead. They fear that there is no other way to be human, but the way in which they are human, which is to, so, you know, like you talk to white people and whenever you you really want to have a reckoning about it, they say stuff like, you know, it's just human nature. If y'all had all of this power, you would have done the same thing, right? And it's like, no, that's what white humans did. White human beings thought there's a world here and we own it. Prior- can you imagine? Can you imagine if she was saying that's what Jews do? By the way, that's all Kanye said. Kanye made some remarks about certain people and the broad brush. You can't say that. But boy, she can sure say it about all white people as if we huddle up and get together and make plans against them. You better wake up. You better start saying the hard thing that, the, that those prissy Sissy Christians don't want you to say. You better start speaking up, standing up. Go ahead. Here to them, black and brown people have been sailing across oceans, interacting with each other for centuries without total subjugation, domination, and colonialism. We have seen uh, what a what a show this iteration of treatment of, of other human beings means, and that my hope is that we would do it differently, you know, in the moments when we have some power. We will not do it perfectly, but I do think that all of us can sort of agree that a politics that says like there are superior and inferior human beings just isn't the way to go. And that's the thing that white people don't trust us to do because they white are people? so corrupt. You mean Jews? You mean Jews? You mean Hispanics? You mean what? What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean white people? Folks, there, there isn't any, you cannot say what she is saying about any other group than, what if she's saying gays? What if she's saying homos? What if she's saying what? What? Oh, no, no, no. Well, you can paint with a broad brush all you want to, you white folk. Imagine that, huh? And what's Kanye say? Kanye speaks out against the, the uh, Kazarian mafia. He speaks against the Jews that are in control of Hollywood, and everybody wants to aim. Yes or no? Boom. Yes or no? Go ahead, keep going. I got. I got. You know, their thinking is so morally and spiritually bankrupt about power about that they can't let. You know, they fear viscerally, existentially us. letting go of power because they cannot imagine that there is another way to be. It is either that you dominate or you are dominated. And you isn't it sad shit? that? that that is spiritually who they are and that they can't imagine a sort of more expansive notion of the world. The thing I want to say to you is we got to take these motherfuckers
is out. But I know, but like, we can't say that, right? We can't say, like, I don't believe in a project of violence. I truly don't. Because I think in the end that our souls suffer from that. And I do think that some of this is a spiritual condition. So here is where I land most days about white people. Um, And I actually have been helped in this by thinking about indigenous people, right? See, part of the challenge around whiteness is that it totally skews our view of everything, right? I gave this like TED talk about this some years back. And one of the reasons I was trying to think about it is like the, the world didn't start when white people arrived in America and tried to tell all the rest of us how things were going to go. There were people out here making worlds, Africans and indigenous people being brilliant and, you know, libraries and inventions and, you know, vibrant notions of humanity and cross-cultural exchange long before white people showed up being raggedy and violent and terrible and trying to take everything from everybody. And that's really important because if we believe that history starts for us when white people drag us to these shores, then we can never get outside of the notion that this is going to be our existential struggle. All things that begin end. White folks are not (laughs) infinite and eternal, right? They ain't going to go on for infinity and infinity. And that's super important to remember that white colonialism and imperialism has a beginning. And in my way of thinking about the world, that means it has an end. And so part of what we are trying to do is to imagine what what are the steps that we must take to get to the other side of this very inconvenient you know, epochal interruption of like black and indigenous world making. I mean, does that give people comfort on the day to day when you like just having to deal with white folks and the trap, you know, the travesties can, can folks, that they create believe, in the city? Stop it, stop it. I got to run. Can you believe the blatant, out in the open, racist talk? Huh? Can you imagine saying this about any other group? Can you imagine anybody saying anything like this in any other group? Huh? You'd be hung. You'd be hung from downtown. They'd have you on CNN. They'd play that loop over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. So I'm just warning you as I get ready to hit the road here, uh, Clay. You can pick it up and you can run from here. Hey, folks, we're at war. We're. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And you think we're going to love everybody in the kingdom, Paul? I want to hear what you got to say before I go. Hurry up, man. No, I'm, I'm just saying. Uh, does Stacey Abrams have a twin in Rutgers? <laughs> How can well, they get coach, away with it, all you, Paul? All How you got to do, away is, with well, it? coach, close your eyes and go back to the 1950s. White Citizens Council, Ku Klux Klan. They'd be saying the exact same thing about black people. Okay, it's I the said, same man. people that huh? the same. And I'm gonna go Kanye, Kanye on, on everybody. Kanye can't speak people. out against the Kanye can't a black man, a black man not allowed to speak out against Luciferian. Uh, Kazarian Mafia? Not allowed to do that? Really? Yeah, really? He took all his money. He took all his coach, money. Uh, coach, I oh, bet you $10. A, hey, Coach, I bet you $10 a donut the woman's a lesbian. Oh, I'm, you said... That's no, what they hey, trot out. Can you imagine? What would they do to me? Paul, what would they do to me if I got started doing a rant like that against homosexuals? Huh? What would they do? I'm sorry, what was that? Huh? Can you say, can you imagine any other group in America that you can talk like this about and get away with it? Well, it's because she, see, again, she, she is more worried about what white people think than than what she's telling. That's exactly how she thinks. Yeah, but she, she, her name's Trump. I'm going to miss a plane. Love y'all. Get on it.
<laughs> Keep going, Paul. Finish your point. No, I'm just saying that that she basically what that's what that's what that's what the people that are in charge do. They'll put not a black male in a position of leadership. They'll put a white or put a, a a black woman who's a lesbian, because it's an attack on not just black people, black or white. It's it's males, males right. in general. Right, and, and that's what's going on. The cutout that, exactly. Uh, can't criticize directly. And, 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 and so what they do? That's right. And that's what they do. They'll trot that out there, and that's that's their actually. It's it's you know they talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's die. Is die. That's what's happening in America. It's dying because of this crap. <laughs> You're exactly right, Paul. Hey, and you Bobby, know this- Lee, Bobby Lee, you there? Come on in. Bobby yeah, I'm Lee. here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Another, yeah, another freaking sociology professor we're supposed to listen to, right? Well, anyway, aside from that, uh, just a couple of days ago, I saw a headline: the creator of the Avatar movies came out saying that testosterone needs to be removed from men right so that that's the objective of these types of people uh shoving out uh these movies and stuff that we're supposed to these actors and people we're supposed to worship and appreciate but again and my third point is listen if you just in this 10 mile radius right here i'm at right now there's probably 50 churches that's that's doing nothing and as coach says has no effect on the community now be it philly or Louisville, Kentucky. How many churches do you think are in Philly? I don't know. Anybody can Hundreds. take a guess. Hundreds. The point is, all of the madness we're seeing in every city of America, can you imagine if if the weak, cowardice, submissive pastors would grow would demonstrate some testosterone, testicular courage, and step out onto the, the, the pavement and own that real estate in, in the name of Christ, all of this madness that we see in Louisville, Kentucky, and any city in America and Chicago would end within days. Yeah. Hey, Bobby, let me ask you this. Where you're at in Pennsylvania, uh, are you seeing a massive amount of uh, white and blacks uh, going against one another and fighting and uh, not opening doors for each other and speaking to each other because they hate each other? Or what, what's the situation up there? Because they're pushing racism. Well, I mean, I'm in a, I, I'm in an environment every day uh, with with mixed races, and outside of certain bad behavior, most most of us ac- across the color lines are respectful, thinking each other, appreciative, listening to each other. Uh, we're we're basically a group of men, right? Engaging, communicating, and, and, and providing ideas, right? So I am living in the environment of cross-cultural male interaction with men from rural areas and city areas and outside of some incidents there's no there's no ongoing anger and aggression we just communicate with one another right but yeah so this is this is a ground zero right here it could be said and but the media everything we see like this sociological freak that we just listened to would have us believe that uh, wh- whites and all other colors are at war with each other right now. This, yeah. I, I believe, yeah. outside of the madness that we've seen exploding in, in Philly, where, where people are literally walking up behind people and shooting people in the head right now, right? Outside of these types of behaviors, 
I think racism is is a mass creation of of, of mass college indoctrination. That's right. Well, you're right. Here's you're what right, they're trying to do. They're trying to make a mob mentality by the, by by using the news media. It's the same way that if somebody busts a window in a in a grocery store and everybody runs in and steals some tennis shoes or something like that in the middle of a uh, some political event that's going on that they're unhappy about. It, it, if one person busts a store, everybody goes in and and gets them a pair of tennis shoes and comes back out and runs down the street with it. They're trying to do the same thing on the news media. They're trying to portray it like everybody hates each other. And if they can make one person think that whites hate blacks, then they can go tell somebody else. And then the next one's going to going to hate the whites. And then the next one's going to hate the whites. That's what they're trying to do is the mob mentality type stuff. I grew up down in uh, Mobile, Alabama, the deep, deep South. And down in Mobile, Alabama, uh, you would walk into uh, when I was a, I uh, started buying uh, beer when I was about, you know, 21 years old, started buying beer. You'd go into the uh, uh, the cooler and you'd find uh, KKK cards, uh, business cards sitting on top of the the beer cases. That's how they would uh, uh, try to, to uh, recruit, uh, recruit people. So we're talking the deep, deep South. And so I was born in 1971 when I was uh, – you going to elementary school, uh, I heard family talking about blacks, you know, family out on the Mississippi, Alabama state line. They would say something bad about them. But uh, as far as me growing up in the city of Mobile, when I went to the second grade, uh, w- the schools were already integrated and we, we got along just fine. Uh, we didn't have any clue about uh, being mean to each other just because one was white and one was black. Uh, we got to be friends and we, we cared for each other. And I can remember in uh, second or third grade getting between uh, two of my black friends that were about to get in a fight in the restroom and trying to break it up because I didn't want them to hurt each other and ended up uh, getting knocked down in the process and, uh, and uh, getting my skull cut open on the, on the tile and, uh, and, and we we cared about each other, but but by the time I got to high school, uh, this type of stuff happened in in the news and and uh, in movies. And by the time I got to high school, uh, they had had made it to where racism was such a big deal that I was the only guy playing uh, quarterback on the high school football team that was white. The rest of them were blacks. And I had no idea, some of y'all have heard this story before, but I had no idea what was going on, but a new uh, uh, black young man had came to the school and he was told that if he wanted to be accepted into the clique, that he was going to have to fight the white quarterback, basically kick my ass. And uh, I had no idea what was going on. So he came out on the football field wanting to fight. And, uh, and I, I was raised the way that, uh, I was taught was let them throw the first punch, you know, and I don't necessarily agree with that now, nowadays, but that's how I was taught. So it was like, let them throw the first punch. So I told him, I said, well, I don't know what your problem is, but, uh, you'll have to throw the first punch if you want to, if you want me to fight you. And he didn't do it. 
And so they, they ended up walking off and I saw all the, all the guys giving him a hard time, just saying that, you know, Hey man, you was a big sissy. You should have, you should have jumped on him. And I started, and I, I didn't know what, what they were talking about. So anyway, make a long story short after practice, when I was in the uh, locker room, there's all these football helmets sitting around. You don't think anything about it. And, uh, this guy was, uh, uh, sitting there on a, on, on one of the benches with a football helmet sitting next to him. And he said something smart to me and I, I couldn't tell what he said. So I said, I said, uh, you know, what, what was that you said? And he just stared at me. And then after, uh, I turned around to walk off, uh, something told me I better check my back. And when I turned around just to make sure, you know, see what he was doing, he had already jumped up with that football helmet. And, and, uh, the image I got in my mind, he was gritting his teeth and swinging that football helmet at me. And, and I couldn't get my arm up quick enough. And anyway, he, he, he hit me in the head with that football helmet as hard as he could and ended up breaking the bones around my, around my nose, all the way around my nose pushed my nose down in my face uh, about a, probably about a half inch. And the bone was coming out between my eyes. And uh, all because of what we're hearing on the news. I didn't have any beef with this guy. He didn't have any beef with me. It's a mob mentality type thing. All these guys uh, pressured him into uh, attacking for absolutely no bloody reason. Yep. You know? And so I, I had to deal with that. I had to come to terms with that. And I had to say, man, am I going to hate black people for the rest of my life? Because, because I was done wrong one time by somebody. And, and I, and, and I had, and this, you know, I, like I say, I was a high school uh, teenager. So I had to come to terms with that. And I had to, had to come to terms with how I was going to retaliate against this one person. And if, and if I was going to, uh, my dad gave me some good advice. He said, if you retaliate against this guy, come back and, and uh and try to do something back to him you're going to take yourself as low as him and then you may end up going to prison so uh i had to get my mind right about it and uh and i can tell you i don't i don't hold any grudges against black people because of something that one person did to me uh you know 35 years ago in high school i love i love every every person on this earth the same as long as their heart's right uh, sorry for going so long. Come on in, Dale. <laughs> Good job, Clay. Well, brother, I, I want to go back to the fire, Paul. I mean, what Coach said, Coach said this right before Paul came in. He said, imagine that if it was me. It was him. That Remember, when Coach got sued by the ACLU and removed from his position for what? Speaking of the Lord, talking and uplifting his players with the encouragement of the word of God. And he gets what? Taken out. This lady is a professor at Rutgers. Listen, guys, I'm I'm just saying we need to go to the to the uh to the Rutgers overboard on this lady and expose her for what she is. And I love what Paul said. I wouldn't bet a donut in ten dollars. I tell you what, brother, she ate the whole box of donuts. But I think if we go up there in a protest, I think we, you know, when I go hunting deer, we bait it with corn. I think we can bait her by putting a box of donuts out on the sidewalk. Get her out there and get engage her because what she said was the most one of the most racist things. And she's teaching in a in a college that has government money put into it. And if she would get exposed and put the fire on the feet 
this lady would be having to be drawn an EBT card going down to buy her donuts. <laughs> hey, hey, Dale, you're you're from the sister city of my home city. You know, Mobile, Alabama, and New Orleans is uh, close to where you're at, and they're like sister cities. And they're some of the most uh, eclectic cities you got. Uh, there's people from all over the world that have settled in the New Orleans, and and. There's there's not a significant amount of division between races down there. They're all living together and eating together and working together every single day all over. And well, and I'm sure you can vouch for it just like me. It, it, uh, it, tell, it, tell us some about the ev- environment around New Orleans and how people get along and help each other of different races. Brother, it's a bowl of gumbo, right? That's what it is. You throw everything in there at the end of the week and you call it gumbo. You get a storm in here, you'll find out this got nothing to do with skin color. That's for doggone sure. But when you take it back, when you think about this, we need to get up. Listen, black on black crime, unfortunate, right? It is it is that right there in itself. And where are we finding this? In these big cities. This this is a real bad thing. Because all we went from, right, was the plantation to the project. That's all they did. And they're still, they're still in that prison. Yep, that's Jumble right. Jumble Dale. Jambalaya, Dale. Jambalaya. No, it's down there, just like just like here. We're all in the same boat. They're trying to separate us and divide us, but we're all in the same boat. We're all struggling to make ends meet. Most of us, all of us, are trying to find out how we're going to make our next dollar so we can uh, uh, pay for our our groceries and our our gasoline and these high priced food that's coming down the pipe and everything. And they want us to feel like some of us are better than the others. But Clay, I'm just, I'm just saying, just like when we exposed, look what happened when we exposed the things up in Indiana at the college there, when we exposed the Georgia Guidestones, all of a sudden it became the talk of conversation. We need to make a little trip up to Rutgers University and and expose this, bring the signs out, have have the video, have the audio for that, and begin to expose her right there. And like I said, all we need is a box of donuts to bait that one. That's right. Dr. Paul. You there, brother? I am good, brother. You know, I lived in Pascagoula, Mississippi, when you were playing in Mobile. <laughs> That's when I first got out of the military, kind of homeless at the time. Anyway, um, I, I want to remind people, um, this is a, they're pushing a lot of this dissension and hate right now during a very special season. Coach brought out a good point. Um, he just intuitively knew to give somebody some money because he knew it was going to make a difference in their lives. Keep that in mind that during this season. I just uh, – I don't buy into this hate anymore. There's nobody that has any more reason to hate than I do because I just I just gave that demon up a long time ago, guys. Just want to remind people to uh, – yeah, That's a good reminder, Dr. Paul. And Joseph Allen. Look – Let's look at it this aspect. Everybody's, there's an identity crisis going on around this world, not just this country. So when did the identity crisis start happening is when technology started coming up. The computers, now we've got computers we can walk around in our back pocket. Everybody wants to be identity, show their identity. Not what, what have you ever heard a saying that my father used to tell me? Busy hands, a clear mind. Yeah, that's a good one. 
you know, all these people are sitting out there. They're not working. They're they're blabbing off their identity over to cell phones, computers. If they're a college professor, the only way they can get any kind of notoriety, not only for their knowledge, is to be aggressive. That's right. And they pick a topic. What I was taught about teachers or professors or or uh, uh, head of the household fathers is you teach them how to live, not to be aggressive towards other men and women or other countries. Yeah, and, and, say, and you've got all those kids that uh, are in your community there, J- J- Joseph, that y'all are training up to to work and uh, be good citizens and uh, – what what's going on? What do you think their feelings are about blacks? They they uh they don't we don't we have in our, in our our uh, farmers they adopt black children. Amen. They adopt brown Spanish kids. We don't feel that towards like you see out there because they don't have the technology they don't have cell phones i got a 16 year old that can skin a cow in two hours <laughs> so awesome, when, the, when 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 the hit a household grabs cojones and starts teaching his children what to do in life and and how how to uh, hit a nail how to do electrical or any kind of uh, skills. What is it again? Busy hands, clear minds. Yeah, when those kids get through skinning that cow or doing some kind of big chore like that, Joseph, do you see? Uh, do you see? Are they are they typically uh, excited and happy yeah, they, that that they learned something, or, or are they upset that they learned something and they they hate your guts and and no, want to go they're, back to they're, playing video games there where you're at. No, there's a there's a, in the same family. I mean, we have twelve families that we all do this, but there's one, there's one girl that I know, and every time I go over there and when we start skinning a cow, she's up there with me learning how to how to package it. Eight years old. That's awesome, brother. So, Thanks for sharing so, that with us. Again, busy hands, clear minds. Amen. Roger Gates. Yeah. Hey, Roger. I was going to say that when you see that professor at Rutgers, you're looking at the byproduct of what happens to the corruption that's in the education system. She went to college somewhere and she got indoctrinated. And so she's in a position now because the education system is fostering that now. Um, if you were to take um, this same woman and she didn't go to college, who who knows what she would be like, you know? Uh, yep, that's when right. I was in, when I was in high school, one of the classes I had to take that was required was in a class called Americanism versus Communism. They made you take it, and it was a good thing that we did. But nowadays, communism has invaded the education system. And that's where this is coming from, you know. 
they the communists got into our education, the college systems, and when they indoctrinate people, the whole purpose of it is to divide us, and that's what's there, what's happening. And I, I can tell you that in 1975, I was just a newborn believer, and I went out on visitation with a guy from my church. We went down this street, and uh, we went to different houses. And the street was a back entrance into a government housing project. And I looked at him and he looked at me and I said, do we go in there? And he, I said, what would the Lord do? You know? So we went into the housing project within a few weeks. We had so many people coming. We had a bus that we picked them up in and there was over a hundred people coming out of that complex. Wow. We were overwhelmed. So what happened is down the road, uh, we found a guy that was coming out of Bible college and, and then we contacted the, the housing project in the rec center and they started a church in the rec center. And that that's house, awesome. you know, and, and I say to myself, you know, that there's a scripture that says work while it is day for the night comes when no man can work. You could not go into a housing project today and do that, you know, because they have separated the, uh, you know, what I'm saying is if you come down to the level where we are, we're out there reaching people. It doesn't matter what color their skin was, but they needed to know, you know. But at the top levels, when you what you see in the media is all fostered by the communism that's running rapid in our country right now. It's a, a lifestyle that is designed to divide, divide us because that's the way that they conquer nations. They divide us into different groups, and then they come in and, and they – that's what we got, you know. That's right. And that's, I look at this. Exactly right. Yeah, let that what they're doing stop us from going into the places where people live, and, and sharing the gospel with them because that's that's what the Lord wants, you know. But at the same time, it's it's I could not go in that housing project today because of the fact that um, it's closed, you know. And and that's another indication of the night comes when no man can work because you can't go in there no more, you know. That's but, it. Good to hear from you, Roger. Yeah, we have to do, we have to, like Coach did to, when he gave the money to the lady, you know, we never know when we go out and, and, and share something with somebody, what, what the Lord has, what doors he's going to open for you on that day, you know. Yeah. Hey, Good Clay. To hear from you, Roger. Clay. We got a few more to get in. Uh, George McElroy. The power of darkness is present. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. These are the wiles of the devil. Amen. Coach God is fired up this morning. Listen to our voices, how we're raising our voices and saying these things. This is what I hear. I say, uh, bring the truth forward. The, tr- the truth can't, you can't hide from the truth. Bring the truth forward. Stick to scripture because the scripture is the truth. Amen. The that's other what it's all that about. Hear, yeah. This is what I want to truth. say. Spread the truth Thank all you. day long, everywhere we go. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Clay. Clay, it's a JR. There is nobody in America that is at a disadvantage because of the color of their skin. Nobody. But when you get down to their family life, that's where the disadvantages start. And then exactly. Yep. You're right. And there are people suffering because of their color or their race. There's no doubt, 
But that doesn't mean that they're suffering because people hate each other. That's the big thing. Tom, Tom Stout. Yeah, good morning, everybody. Yeah, I'm I'm Clay. Hold on, Rod. One thing, one thing that has helped is, uh, not helped, but uh, we have a lot of Amazon and FedEx drivers come to the farm now. And by and large, 95% of them are black. It's probably the first time any. I wanted to make a comment, but I didn't know who was in charge of calling on us. Yeah, Roger. Uh, Tom's Tom's speaking right now. Let me let me get you in right after Tom. Okay, so it's the first time these these black young men and women have ever set foot on a farm, and I'm sure it's the first time most of them have ever been more than ten miles outside of Columbus, Ohio. And we're always pleasant. We always speak to them, and you know, I want to. Uh, they're scared to death of dogs, most of them. And I always tell them, you know, bring some dog treats with you, drop them off when you step out of the door, and they'll be your friends for life. That's right. You know, and it's just, uh, I think they've been told that your whole life, when you go out there by Kirkersville or Pataskala, you're going to see nothing but a bunch of rednecks with hoods on. <laughs> yeah. You know, so we're trying to dispel that. We're always friendly. Your interaction isn't much. Hey, man, how you doing? Good. Working hard. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, we'll have a safe trip back. But it is interaction, and it is pleasantness, and I do my best, uh, you know, not to come off as anybody but a regular guy that loves the world, you know, or loves people. Yeah, so, that's right, Tom. And just a little simple interaction. If you're at a gas station and uh, you see somebody, uh, you, you know, just no matter what race they are, just give them a nod of the hat or say hello or say, uh, you know, have a blessed day or something to them. It makes a big difference. Come on in, Roger. Thank you. I was just I was going to piggyback a couple things off of one Jim's comment a few minutes ago about uh, the issue is that everybody has the really the equal opportunity in America, but it's the family unit that they come from that plays a key role. You cannot have 75% of African American children being raised without a father and think there's going to be success in that culture. It is not possible. Um, and it's never discussed. And it's not a racist comment. It's none of that. It's just the hard facts. Uh, I think Alan, I mean, uh, Bobby Lee, sometimes that issue. Um, so I agree with, with what Jim said. And the only thing I wanted just to share is, <coughs> many of you are aware tonight, Jeff Klein has some stuff going on at he bears some of the men that were at the meeting a few weeks ago and committed to come. Now is the time to look and see if you can make it. Um, and uh, Jeff would have more information for you. But uh, it is this evening. Well, thank you, Roger. Uh, Jeff, we only got about a minute left, so close us out and let us know about tonight. Jeff okay, well, it's on Liberty Action. It's on Liberty Action Network. I ain't going to talk about that. We should have been talking about it days ago, but we haven't. But here's what I want to talk about. Two months ago, I had a black woman come on my car lot. Three little kids, two, five, and seven, looking at cars, looking at cars. I talked to her for probably thirty minutes, and it was a great conversation. Sweet little kids. She was very pleasant. All of a sudden, she's all done. She's ready to walk away. 
she's walking. I said, hold on. I said, did you walk here? She said, yeah. And she smiled, walking him three little kids across town to come to my car lot. So I chatted with her for another minute and I invited her back to church in the garage. Anywhere from 20 to 30 white people in this garage. She comes back with her mother-in-law and the three little kids. They have been in this church in the garage now for two months. They come every Tuesday. Now they're coming to church on Sunday. We just put together a minivan. I got a minivan on the car lot. She has no vehicle. Got a no father. There. No father and a husband. She's loving us. So we're putting that together right now, getting her hooked up. She's homeschooling her kids. She has no income. And she is loving all these white people in this garage. That's awesome, brother. <laughs> awesome. Amen, Listen, brother. Folks. Listen, folks, be kind to everybody. Spread some truth. Show some love. We'll see you tomorrow.